0: I want to ask you a personal question. Do you read my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321? Because if you don't, I really think you'd like it if you like this podcast. Every Wednesday morning, I send a short newsletter designed to help you lead your organization more strategically and with less overwhelm in five minutes or less. The newsletters are organized around a timely leadership theme and give you something practical that you can apply right away in your organization. I include three of the best articles that I've come across on that theme, two concrete resources or tools that I believe in, and one quote to inspire and motivate you. So if you don't yet get the newsletter, I'm gonna make it super easy for you to sign up. Just text the word IMPACT to 66866, and you'll be added to my list. Thanks. Before I start today, I wanna let you all know that I have opened enrollment for my main program, the Next Level Nonprofit Accelerator. I'm really excited about this. I spent the whole summer adding to the curriculum, building partnerships to support my students, and refining the coaching structure so that this version of the program is beyond anything I've ever offered in terms of its level of personalized support, its wraparound support, I am really excited about this. I spent the whole summer adding to the curriculum, building partnerships to support my students and refining the coaching structure so that this version of the program is beyond anything I've ever offered in terms of its depth of support and its level of personalization. The Next Level Nonprofit is a six-month intimate, high-touch coaching and training accelerator for nonprofit leaders of six-figure organizations that are really ready to grow and who want to do it smoothly, confidently, and sustainably without the guesswork and without the overwhelm. Now, I've been doing a version of this program for the last two years, and I've gotten a lot of amazing feedback. Most of my students stick with me for multiple rounds, which means we are in deep conversation about what they need and how I can support them. So I heard people when they said they needed affordable access to one-on-one coaching. So that's included in this version of the program. I heard folks when they said their staff and their board need real world training. So quarterly workshops for staff, and quarterly governance and fundraising trainings for boards. I heard folks when they say they needed real-time leadership and strategy advice every day, if they can get it. So I combined Ask Me Anything coaching and strategy calls, facilitated intimate masterminds for each student, and access to a vetted Rolodex of consultants, many with special discounts, and virtual assistants, a network of mentors, and access to seasoned practitioner one-on-one advisors. The most exciting and the thing that actually has always been the focus point of all of the work that I do in my accelerator is that people need a personalized growth plan, not a cookie cutter growth strategy that you sort of pick off of Google or learn at some workshop. Those don't work when you get to a certain point in your organization. In the accelerator, You get a thorough diagnostic of your organization's infrastructure and systems, and then you and I work together to identify a core growth goal and to pull back the layers and uncover your organizational strengths and challenges and to craft a concrete strategy that is particular to your organization. So if you're the leader of a six-figure organization and you want to grow without burning out and you might like my help and access to an incredible community and network of coaching, support and accountability, you can learn more and apply at richiebabbage.com backslash next level nonprofit. On with the show. so sometimes i write about topics in my weekly newsletters that really hit a nerve with folks i get emails and linkedin dms from people sharing how the topic impacts them in their actual organizations and sometimes asking follow-up questions a few weeks ago i wrote about just such a topic where and how to focus your attention and energy the types of high leverage activities that if you focus on them result in higher return on investment for your revenue and your impact. I got a huge response to that newsletter. So I am following up here with a quick strategy tip about one way to begin to shift your focus to these kinds of high leverage activities. I also wanted to focus on this topic because it's one of the organizing principles of my Next Level Nonprofit Coaching and Training Program focusing on the right thing and I just opened doors to enrollment. So I've been thinking and talking with people a lot about this topic. So the activity is called the three lists to freedom, and it's a simple but powerful way to kickstart the process of getting your time back and shifting from low leverage to high leverage activities. Now, again, when I say high leverage activities, I'm talking about fundraising network expansion and strategic partnerships, Strategic visioning, thinking, and planning, thought leadership, and your leadership practices and skills. And so, this activity is a way to begin to shine a light on which activities you can let go of so that you free up time for high leverage activities. You get some of your time back. Now, I did not make this up, I got this from a book called Virtual Freedom by Chris Stucker. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. It talks about how to find outside help, particularly virtual assistance, and how to get comfortable with having people help you. And I have to tell you, when I was leading my organization, and now that I'm running my my company, that continues to be a huge source of, I will say, uh, a growth opportunity for me so I do this activity quite frequently definitely quarterly this is one of the exercises in this book virtual freedom now now the crux of the book and of this very simple exercise is around offloading the activities that you cannot and should not do yourself it's about finding help For me, it's also about clarity of intention. I can know that I'm doing too much or the wrong thing, but until I set an intention to get help and clarify what I should be offloading and to whom, I can't develop a plan to shift my time. Without the intentionality and clarity, I'll stay stuck in low leverage activities for months. Now, I've shared with folks on this podcast and in other spaces and forums, that I am a lifelong procrastinator. planner I will plan myself into a corner and look up and not have taken concrete steps forward in critical areas. Sometimes it's because of fear and sometimes, most often, it's just because the way forward is fuzzy. I'm just not clear about what I should be doing differently or how my calendar could look any differently than it currently looks. So this is a great antidote to that. For those of you who are my fellow planners out there, I really encourage you to do this activity either right alongside the podcast or listen and then find paper and do it in your own time. It's really simple and really powerful. Okay, here we go. Take out a piece of paper, fold it into three parts, just three columns. List one, list two, list three. Starting from the left hand side, we're going to go through each of these lists. If you have a team, actually, I also highly recommend you do this exercise with them. This can really inform your project planning if you use a Mocha or a RACI, for example. And it can also help you better understand the actual workflows and SOPs or standard operating procedures, which I've tackled on this podcast before, of the folks on your team. What are they actually doing and how can you support and coach them in making the kinds of shifts that we're talking about you making in your own calendar? So if you have a team, I think it's great for them as well. So the first list, the first column. You want to list the things you don't like doing. These are the things that are required for your organization, but you just don't like to do them. They might be something like bookkeeping, for example, some folks just really don't like bookkeeping. Writing board updates, this is one that I've talked to a bunch of people about, particularly like the technical part of the updates, you know, uploading things, crafting the emails versus the content, which can be more interesting. Social media posting comes up a lot. Um, web development, maintaining your WordPress site or whatever your site is. So just different people like different things and you want to be clear in list one about the things that you're doing in your organization that are important for the, for the organization, but you just don't like doing. Okay, next list, number two. This is the middle column. You wanna write down the things that you can't do. And I want you to be honest here. I talk a lot on this podcast and in my newsletter and in my programs about how important it is to accept and embrace the fact that we will not all be good at everything. I have some different blog posts and I've written a lot about the zone of genius, which is just a pithy way of saying there are things you're really good at. And there are also things you just aren't. So part of our leadership is actually getting good at knowing what we cannot do so that we can get those things off our plates ASAP. They will absolutely slow you down. One of the students in my accelerator, and I actually just went through this last week, she had been slogging through work planning with her team. And I love this example because I actually think that a work plan, a Racy or a Mocha or Darcy, some people use Darcy, whatever the structure is for your work planning and project planning, I think it's really important. So every quarter they would revisit their Racy, and that's what they used instead of Mocha. But it was like moving through mud. She dreaded it every quarter. Her brain just did not work that way. So it wasn't sticking for her and it wasn't sticking for her team and so they were thinking this project planning thing just isn't for us nobody it was just joyless and even though they were committed to doing it because they could see that it's a powerful organizing tool for a team which it is and she and i had been talking through that the problem was that she was the one doing it and what she and i worked on together was realizing that that didn't actually have to be true. Just because it was an important thing for her organization didn't mean she needed to be the one doing it. She just wasn't very good at it. So we shifted and helped her accept that her leadership didn't actually require that she do all of these things that somebody else could do better. They needed to do the racy, but she didn't need to lead it. And so they shifted to having her director of operations begin to coordinate and facilitate the whole process. And in what felt like overnight, it blossomed. And really importantly, it gave her back literally hours of her time, which she then used to develop a set of op-eds for her organization, which incidentally is her zone of genius. So for you, this might be things that you've tried to do that really you found you just haven't done well it might be things that you have to do or should do in the future but you haven't pulled the trigger because you know you can't do it you don't have the skills or the ability or the time but they have to get done so finally list number three and this is the list i want you to give the most thought to it is often the most eye-opening about how you're currently running your organization and can give you real insights into what might be different in the future. This is the list of things you shouldn't be doing. It may be things that you're doing and it might be things that you like doing. It might be things that you're great at doing, but you shouldn't be doing them. Not at the level that you're at now. Now, if you're just starting out. And I know a lot of you listening are really early in the development of your organization. You're bootstrapping, you're figuring things out, you're literally wearing all hats. It's still good to do this activity and to write those things down. Because like I said, this can help you stay focused on as you grow, as you get to the point where you aren't wearing every hat, what are the first things that you should be handing off? How will you know what to delegate to? This can help you figure out where to hire. Now, for me, this is squarely where Canva lives. I love Canva, I love design. Also, I would say editing this podcast. I really enjoy it. There are people who do it much better than me, namely my podcast editor. When I was an executive director, it was things like managing our newsletter, building out our social media strategy, anything graphic design oriented. It was also things like building school partnerships. When I first started my organization, that was absolutely me. I was out there meeting the school leaders that we were partnering with, meeting the community-based organizations that we were partnering with. When I hired my director of programs, that became her role, and it was no longer a high leverage activity for me. That was not, I was not the person that should be doing that, that should be focusing on those partnerships. So for you, think about those things that could easily be done by a virtual assistant or an associate level staff person. Think about those tasks that someone with more skill than you could do better or faster. So this is not those things that you can't do. This is, you shouldn't do them because someone could actually do them better or faster. For me, graphic design, hands down, um, you know, or editing the podcast. It's not that I can't do those things. It's that there are skilled people who will be more efficient at it. Also think about tasks that should be owned by someone else on your team. And this is a big one because as I have said, it can highlight where you want to hire next and even more illuminating, it can highlight where you may have someone on your team who isn't actually owning what they should. I spend a lot of time working with my students on this one, so I know it's a huge deal for growing organizations. When you and your team map out these three lists and you look at the things you shouldn't be doing, if you find that some of those things should actually be owned by someone that is on your team, that is a great conversation to have about workflows and ownership. So those are the three lists. To recap, list number one on the left-hand side, the things you don't like doing. List number two, the things you can't do. And list number three, the things you shouldn't be doing. So things that you are doing, and again, perhaps you are great at them and can do them yourself, but you should let go of them as soon as possible. Now, list number three, these are the things that can be the most difficult to let go of because they aren't as clear as list number one and two, or it's not that they're not as clear. You can do them. You don't hate doing them. So it isn't as clear that you should let them go. But here's the thing about list number three, these are also the biggest levers to get more time back because these are things that can be done better and more easily by somebody else. And I guarantee you there are hours of time that you can save by removing those from your calendar and from your to-do list. Now, I want to say one thing before I wrap up about this list. You don't actually have to let go of everything. There's some strategy and thought that goes into this. And also, we aren't automatons, right? We're people. And there are definitely things on paper that I shouldn't be doing. But I choose to do them. I opt into them knowing that they're going to take time. That's the strategy part. I'm clear and intentional about what opting into those things means for the rest of my time and what it means I'm not making time to do. And there are just some things that I love about. And they are just some things that I love doing and choose to opt into doing them and I'm not mad at myself for that right so similarly with you you can choose that direction so as an example for me I do all of my own training content and presentations all of my webinars my slide decks for my stage talks all of the content itself and all of the design There are many, many people that I work with for whom that's not true, right? They sort of outline the training content and then there are really amazing instructional design folks that can take your ideas and turn them into content, turn them into webinars and presentations and curriculum modules. I do all of that myself, including the graphics and the storyboarding and the choreography and everything because i really like it and although it takes a lot of time and i could absolutely get some of that time back that's actually one thing i'm okay spending time doing it's not a waste for me because i really enjoy it and it allows me to connect really deeply with my content it allows me to tweak it and refine it and really sort of metabolize it so that when I'm doing a training presentation or a webinar, when I'm in one of my, you know, live sessions with my students, I really get what I'm talking about. I really feel it because I have followed the entire process from the idea being in my head to what this slide looks like and how I'm representing that idea visually so that people can hold on to it. So that's a choice that I have made. So I share that because I don't want you to feel like you have to really get rid of sort of every, every single thing on list three, you can keep the things that you're most passionate about and you're most excited about and that give you energy and that inspire you and that you just can't imagine letting go of. My message here is opt into them, be strategic about them, be intentional about them and be clear about what you're giving up. Right? What you're not saving time to do. So that's it. Super simple. Some of the most powerful activities are. I recommend setting aside 15, 20, 30 minutes and doing this activity to see where you land. I will include the link to the book in the show notes. And if you wind up with a list of low leverage activities and you would love help making the shift to the kinds of activities that are actually going to fuel your growth, or just figuring out which of these in list three should I get rid of first? What are the implications of this list for hiring, for staff reassignment, for who should be on my board or in my structured leverage network, as I've talked about on this podcast? Definitely check out my coaching program, Next Level Nonprofit. You can learn more and apply at richiebabbage.com, Next Level Nonprofit that's it for this week. Have a great week and I'll see you next week.